Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. This season, the world's biggest football podcast network is even bigger. Alongside our three weekly episodes of Totally and the two Totally Football League shows, we've got three episodes of the all-new Athletic Football Podcast with Mark Chapman. Adam Hurry's football cliches will now be with you on Mondays and Wednesdays. There'll be two lots of Michael Cox on our Tactics Podcast and we've revamped our FPL and women's football shows. Our Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham Club podcasts are now twice a week. And don't forget, we've also got our TIFO, Offside Rule and Football Manager shows too. There are also amazing new series with both Kelly Cates and Jackie Oatley coming up later in the year, so stay tuned for those. You can listen to all of these podcasts across our network in all the usual places or ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic, the world's biggest football podcast network. Totally Football Show, European edition, with so much to talk about from around the continent. PSG get messy, and so do Jules' trousers as the news breaks. Elsewhere, Inter, Splinter, La Liga looking meagre, the European Super Cup on Wednesday, and how to say nails in German, and much, much more in this opening. Totally Football Show, European edition of the season, in association with Paddy Bauer. Hello. It's a brand new season, listener, with excitingly the same old faces on your Euro totally. Julien Laurence is with us, Jules. Bonjour. We live from Le Bourget Airport. Indeed. Also on board, Alvaro Romeo. Hello, guys. Yes, Raphael Honigstein hitting it hard. Hi, James. And James Horncastle. All right, James. Hello. Hello. You're you're not looking so sad, are you, James? After after an exceptional summer for Italian football. Well, for, for Italy in general, in the Olympics. Mm. Yeah, where, where do we stop? Eurovision. Let's go all the way back yeah. to that as well. That's and start Italiana. Right. I'm surprised you didn't play that underneath, James. Yeah, it's a good shot, actually. Here's a little bit now. Uh, Jules, you also had or are having a lovely summer, aren't you? Yeah, holidays was great with the. Uh, no, I wasn't talking about your holidays, Jules. I know. I thought you were. That's what friends do, you know. You ask how, you know, your summer went, your holidays. You went, you you know, you went for something far more physical than I did because I did nothing for two weeks. That was really good. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about Messi then? Ah. Oh. PhD, as we record this on Tuesday morning, PhD are still uh, confident that he will sign. There's a few more details to uh, sign up or sign in on, on image right, especially, which is the, the most complicated part of the deal, which they always knew would be complicated. And I can tell you that Jorge Messi is very demanding and very precise on everything. And so are his uh, lawyers. And they've got a lot of lawyers too. 
but they're still confident. I don't know anything about Barca making a last attempt to keep him. I don't know anything about any other club. And certainly PSG don't either. They still think it will happen. So I want to believe them. And I've got my toes crossed, my legs crossed, my arms crossed, my fingers crossed, everything crossed. Mm. Those poor fans, though, who have been out at Le Bourget Airport for, what, three days? They could have gone through immigration at Heathrow by now. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> One of the ideas was to present him at the Eiffel Tower, uh, which was not free yesterday, for example, on Monday, because on Monday the Eiffel Tower was already taken by the um, the last uh, French uh, athletes that came back from, from uh, the Olympics with their medals. So had Messi been in Paris, for example, it would have been restricted to what PSG could have done with him in terms of presentation and announcement and everything because one of the ideas is the Eiffel Tower, like Ibrahimovic and like Neymar. I thought they were still announcing all their other signings, Jules, this this summer because, you know, we kind of thought that they were done and instead, boom, boom, boom. Donnarumma, Ramos, Wijnaldum, Hakimi. I know in terms of signings, it's been pretty good, but I guess this is the biggest one and and it's no... Everybody says a deal like this cannot take two days or three days, even if this was prepared before, because since since last summer they've been working on it, which which I get. And everybody's saying, be patient, it will happen. But it's just so complicated. You, you cannot imagine everything that is involved in that kind of deal. And this is the most complicated. I mean, I guess Cristiano would be the same, but they're the only two players that have deals that complicated. But, but still, he's dragging on a little bit, which makes me really scared. I will only believe it when I see him signing and, and holding the show. Crikey. All right, well, more on that story very shortly. Assuming, though, that uh, Leo does sign for PSG, Andrew asks, is anything less than a Man City PSG Champions League final uh, nothing but a disaster for those two sides? And do Alvaro, James and Rafa feel that any of these Spanish, Italian or German sides are equipped to spoil the City PSG party? Rafa? Mm, I mean, history suggests that just putting a lot of great players together in a team doesn't necessarily make for a winning Champions League. Works for this podcast, though. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, I mean, look, if they're the new Galacticos, then you wonder, you know, do they know the story of how the old Galacticos fared, especially in, in the Champions League, question mark. Um I think there's still a chance that this whole team will be so lopsided. Um, yes, Sergio Ramos at the back, but that the players up front will not work very hard and they'll be unbalanced. I mean, imbalanced. Um, you know that Neymar doesn't really do that much going back. You know that Messi just basically walks in midfield without the ball. Yeah, I think there is, there's hope for others. I mean, one thing's for sure. One thing's for sure. I think the whole of Europe will want this to go really badly wrong. And laugh at them. So let's see if we can. Doesn't sound like football fans to me. Alvaro, uh, <laughs> do you think anyone else from La Liga can uh, upset that duopoly? I think that it's going to be tough. Um, the La Liga winner, Atletico de Madrid, has won only two championship games in the last 12 months. Um, they didn't beat Bayern. They were outplayed and outmuscled by Chelsea uh, very badly. Uh, Real Madrid reached the semi finals, but I believe that uh, Chelsea saw them. Uh, that they were much better than them. And then Barcelona lost badly to PSG, uh, having Messi in their side, and now they don't have Messi. So I think that the Spanish teams, what they have to do is uh, to make sure they excel on what they have been good 
recently, which is keeping the ball and making sure that they control the game. If they lose a little bit of the control of the game, and if Atletico de Madrid loses their cardinal points as well, uh, which are basically defending very tight, very well, and making sure that they make profit uh, of anything that happens up front, if they lose all that Spanish teams and they don't... Uh, focus on what they do best, I think that they, they have no chance this season, really. And Barcelona mm -hmm. is going to find it very hard, but this is a new Barcelona as well, because in the past we got used to uh, having Messi just uh, doing everything, and now some other players will have to step up. Right, more on, on Barca very shortly, but concentrate on what you're good at, the Europa League, the message here from uh, Alvaro. James, uh, what about Italy? What, what about the spanking new champions Inter? Can you see anybody from La Peninsula? <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, to be honest, okay. I can see the only challenge coming from the Premier League. I think it'll come from Chelsea, mm. uh, Liverpool, and that's it. Um, I, d I don't think PSG are as similar to the Galacticos at Real Madrid as, as, as we've maybe made out. I think there's, there's a little bit more structure to this, this team. I'm interested by what system ultimately Poch settles on because... I think they've got a very good midfield PSG in terms of, you know, it's quite well balanced with Verratti, who's coming off winning the Euros, Wijnaldum now, Paredes, who's won the Copa America. But what system do you go for? If it is this kind of 3-4-3 with Di Maria one side, Hakimi the other, then, you know, that, that's an awful lot of work for whoever you tandem in midfield, be it Verratti, Wijnaldum, be it Verratti, Paredes, or whatever. Um, not forgetting Idrissa Gueye. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm staggered, really. I think what what's the only weakness, Jules? Left left back or or something like that. I mean, it's it's an out, it's an outstanding galaxy of players to go back to Galacticos. But yeah, no, no, no. I I I agree with you. I agree with Rafa as well. I think it is an unbalanced team in a way uh, because I, some will have to defend more than others. What you want to avoid is being seven plus three. So. Basically, you just give the ball to one of the top, the front three, and then, and then they do the, the, their thing on their own. Almost, we know that Hakimi will, will always join the attack. But for the rest, I'm not sure. The, the, for me, the best solution is to put Marquinhos as a holding midfielder, and have Sergio Ramos and Kimpembe behind him. He can always drop in between, and you get a back three, and you can have Bernat on the left, hoping that he will get back to his, his best level after his, his really bad injury last season, and then Hakimi on the right, who's who will play like a wing-back anywhere, but you've got a security, I think, if you've got Marquinhos in midfield, even if that's not really his favourite position. But I, th I think Tuchel did a lot of good work with him when he was at the club. And then you've, you play Verratti, Wijnaldum, and then your front three of, of Neymar, Mbappe and Messi. And I think, for me, this is, this is the winning formula, certainly in those big games in the Champions League. Crikey. All right. Oh, Andrew asked another, there was a, the last part of his question, which was uh, also, Jimbo, are you and James locked in for BT City Air coverage? James? We are. I think we're doing the, the first game. Is it the Saturday night, which is 21st Champions of Inter? August. Yeah. Or uh, what's left of them. Uh, but it'll be a regular <laughs> Sunday night slot, 7 till 10. Join us. I should actually just mention a little bit about what's been happening with uh, the viewing rights for the top European leagues. We did have a question about this. They, they've shifted a little bit. Serie A has moved to BT Sport for the next three years. Rafa, the Bundesliga is off to Sky. Yes, and they'll be showing uh, one game live, I think, um, on Saturday evening, the, the big game. It should be interesting what they'll do with it. All right. And uh, Ligue 1 remains on BT Sport. Alvaro. Ligue 1 is the last one. league standing on BT. 
It's been there. How long has it been there now? I mean, Best league Jules, in the world, you've got to be proud. <laughs> yeah, very proud. And then they obviously signed that deal before PSG went on this incredible right. um, transfer window, to be fair. Back when nobody wanted the rights. Uh, absolutely. Uh, La Liga, meantime, is the only one of the major European leagues that's not actually on kind of what you might describe as a regular channel, Alvaro. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you can uh, well you can find it on the Premier Player and uh, La Liga TV, of course. Uh, La Liga TV right. is the corporate channel of La Liga. But they went for a big name. They went for Gary Lineker to be one of their hosts. So I think that that was a very good uh, move for La Liga because uh, I think that uh, La, Liga's TV, uh, La Liga TV is the display window of the competition and uh, you have to be, have the, the best people around or the most popular people around. And Gary Lineker is certainly very popular and he has La Liga pedigree as well. He played for Barcelona. So I think that he was, it was a very good decision. Well, do you know what he's actually going to be doing in, in terms of what, what programs he can be presenting? Mm. I'm not too sure. I think he's going to be one of the hosts, but I don't know if he's going to host the full week, the full weekend, or just uh, uh, certain games or certain time slots. I'm not too sure about that, but uh, you know, we'll know in a week time. All right then. Uh, we usually start the shows with uh, a moment of the weekend. Uh, let's conclude this uh, opening part one, though, of our European Totally season uh, with a well, whatever moment you can find, really, because James, your uh, league is a couple of weeks away from getting back underway. Alvaro and Rafa, it's next Friday for you. Jules Liga is underway. So let's begin with you. What was your moment of the weekend with Paddy Power? It has to be Dimitri Payet's uh, winning goal for Marseille. They came back from 2 0 down in Montpellier to, to win 3 2. Payet dans la surface. Payet! Dimitri Payet! Qui est à nouveau décisif! It was a really good weekend, in fairness, for Liga all, all, all over. But to see Jorge Sampaoli celebrating like he did, like mad, and, and Payet as well for Marseille in a stadium that was, although they were away, felt very much more like the Velodrome than the Stade de la Mosson. It was, it was really good to see to, um, to, to finish the weekend. OK. Alvaro, did you have a moment? Of course, it has to be Messi's tears. There hasn't been anything more impactful um, in Spanish football, I will say that this year. Uh, he couldn't even start his speech to say goodbye to Barcelona after more than 15 years at the club. And, uh, you know, I think that that image is TV history already. OK. Rafa? Uh, we had some football. We had the German FA Cup first round. Yes. And Dortmund uh, won 3-0 at VN Wiesbaden, Erling Haaland. I don't know if you've seen this, James, but he was brought down for a penalty for a second goal. <laughs> and while everyone was booing him, um, he was doing push-ups. Uh, before taking the penalty. He couldn't really explain why he did it. He just said he felt like it at the moment. <laughs> Was it a Cristiano Lucarelli homage? A Lucarelli had a, a goal celebration where he would throw his jersey to the ground and then do press-ups sort of into it in a, I mean, an amorous fashion. But this was before, this was before taking the penalty. I think like he clapped between push-ups as well, which is tremendous effort. <laughs> Absolutely. I also really enjoyed uh, that goal by Sven Kohler from his own half yeah. as Bundesliga Einsfight Dry side Osnabrück beat Werder Bremen 2 0. Entlastung für den VfL. Sven Kohler. Sven Kohler. Traumtor. Very special. Hey, James, how about your moment of the weekend? Pick any weekend you like. <laughs> Has to be that great signing made by an Italian club. This weekend was eventful, um, particularly if you're an Interista. 
because just when you thought the sales were over and Hakimi had gone to Paris Saint-Germain, that was it, and you're planning for your title defence. So no, Romelu Lukaku, uh, woe is me, uh, is moving to Chelsea. And, you know, at the same time as, as, as that was escalating, you had this story about Lautaro Martinez and Tottenham, which, you know, we understand was a negotiations in parallel uh, with uh, what Chelsea were doing with Lukaku at the time and one sale, well, at that time, precluded the other. We'll have to see because Inter at the moment say that Lautaro is unsellable. Um, but their owners have very little credibility uh, among fans at the moment um, because uh, they keep selling their best players. Uh, their coach, obviously, Antonio Conte, walked away shortly after winning the league. So, yeah, that all came to a head this weekend. All right, more on that and all those big stories in the course of today's show. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. Plus, begambleaware.org. All right, Liga underway, and we're still waiting for confirmation of Leo Messi to PSG. As it stands, though, Jules, you were describing Paris Saint-Germain's transfer market as the greatest of all time picking up probably Messi on a free, but certainly Gini Wijnaldum and uh, Donnarumma and also Sergio Ramos, all on free transfers. Props for Leonardo? Yeah, I think so. Certainly the way, I mean, the Wijnaldum transfer, they offered more money than Barcelona. I mean, he would not have been able to to play for Barcelona anyways, seeing the, the, the current situation. But that was, that was not really him. But I think Donnarumma... Considering his friendship with Mino Raiola and the Donnarumma deal, which is the one really where the others you can see they needed those those players or those profiles in that team to improve the team. As a goalkeeper, even if Donnarumma, after the Euros that he's had, is clearly in the top three, I mean, you know, best world goalkeepers, Navas had done a really good job and had, there was no need really to go and get someone. However, if you see it from a slightly different angle in the sense that Keanu Navas is getting old uh, and Donnarumma is the future. And if you can get Donnarumma on a free, regardless of who you already have in goal, then you go for it because he, he will be your goalkeeper for the next 10 years, potentially. And and if you don't sign him now for free and you want to sign him in two years' time, it will cost you £50 million. So, so that, in, in a way, makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense. But yeah, they've worked really well. But where we expected more from him was selling because mm. I, do, I do agree with... What Nasser Khalifi, for example, says that there's a lot of players who want to come to Paris for for the money, for the city, for the project, or, you know, whatever reasons they want. For the money. But selling, selling, yeah, maybe, but I, I don't care. You care, and James was very cynical on Sunday in the main uh, the football what show. What did I say? I don't care. I just didn't like your questions. But in fairness, <laughs> where we ex- where, where, we, answers, where Leonardo George. was, sorry. I said I like. I know, your but answer. he says the same question as Byron Glenn Denning. Oh, what a fairy tale story! Messi going to the team that has the the most money, backed by a country, and and you know the old money and the, the human right thing. It's just like the same. I don't care. You know, if you'd gone to your club, you would have been happy. I'm, he's going to my club potentially. I'm happy. Mm. Like you know, but those questions are inevitable anyway. But but, but if he'd was gone to up, my club, you would have been asking those questions anyway. Let's move on. I wouldn't have asked your questions. Good for you. I don't know why people are so bitter about Messi joining PSG. If he does join PSG, I, I don't understand it. But maybe you all you all have your reasons. 
But because so very, very, very briefly, uh, my mm. reason, beyond any of the questions about Qatari money and the nature of the Qatari state and that, the simple fact is that he is one of the greatest performers possibly of all time in his particular field. To see him still in action but not being tested to the extent that he could be, I think is a disappointment. Essentially, I mean, the, the, the equivalent that I tried to give it on Sunday was watching, I don't know, Michael Phelps uh, basically racing in kiddie pools or something like that. You want to see the best against the best, no? And with all due respect, I don't feel that Messi uh, up against whoever it is, Brest or, you know, Troyes is necessarily that. Had he gone to, had he, you know, had he joined... Had he gone to, to where? Uh, because... No, are they going to where? Because because what Abar is better than Brest. No, he wasn't going or to go West to Brom. I'd like. No, 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 no. Tell me, is Genoa better than but, Brest? No, but that would have been genuinely okay. fascinating to see a, a team where they're not expected to do well. You put a Messi in there. Can he make the difference? Whereas him joining a team that, to be fair, should have cruised Liga last season, but probably didn't because they got complacent. To see him, but did you say that for Cristiano when he joined Juventus? I don't think you said that about Cristiano when he joined Juventus. You didn't say, "Oh, I wish he joined Genoa." Did you? Uh, no, I didn't. So no. you know. So why why are we doing it from Messi to PSG? It's exactly the same. I don't think there's all that much difference between leagues in the top five leagues, anyway. At least when it comes to what's in the bottom half of the table, I think it's much of a muchness. I think every league makes out that. One league is better than the other. I think, in actual fact, it's actually it's not a lack of respect to basically say it's it's easier to play in one league than the other, particularly when it's a top five. My my issue is ultimately, I'm happy for Jules. I'm I'm, I'm happy for fans of Paris Saint Germain that Messi gets to play there. No, I'm, I'm not, my, my issue, I suppose, is you just have this continuous wage inflation from Paris Saint Germain. It's not just Paris Saint Germain; it's Manchester City as well. Yeah, on the one hand, you've got financial mismanagement at clubs like Barcelona, Inter, but those are chasing, um, you know, what City and Paris Saint-Germain are doing in the in the market. It's a factor. It's not this single factor, but it has pushed the game to the brink. And there are, there are systemic issues, I think, in the game that need addressing. And and they're not. I, I just find that you know, I think Tarek from the New York Times pointed this out. Yeah, La Liga introduces FFP and cracks down on Barcelona in a way that UEFA has not really cracked down on any club, you know, when it comes to comes to spending. Of course, Paris could afford <laughs> can afford uh Messi. There's no there's no problem with you know, with their with their, the the state behind them. But the kind of inflationary effects all of these things have had on the game over the last decade, I think that's that that's that's the issue people should be focusing on. But, but then I, well, I, I we talked about Galacticos. Paris, I will still watch yeah, no, no, you're right, Jules. No, that, that's Ramazu did it well. 15 years ago. United and Ferguson did it 10 years ago as well. You know, splashing a lot of money on a young Rio Ferdinand to no, not get only him out that. of Leeds. And... No, uh, Galacticos Real Madrid started with a farcical decision from the Spanish government to let Real Madrid sell their training ground in, in the city center. And that was supposed to be public ground, not private ground for Real Madrid. So, yeah, I think that every club has their history when it comes to that. Uh, just three things very quickly. Number one, um, I think that it will create bad narratives that we say that Brest or Genoa or whoever is worse because that creates that uh, stupid sentence that I hate to see on the internet, Farmers League, uh, that applies every time to France, Italy, Spain and Germany and it comes from England and I think it's very unfair because then you see the teams from France, Italy, uh, Germany, Spain competing very well in Europe. So that's mm -hmm. number one. Number two, I think that um, 
Barcelona uh, wanted to keep Messi, but they are victims of how bad they've been managed. So PSG just took an advantage of that and they signed the players because they could. Simple as that. And uh, number three, I mean, uh, I would like Messi to retire in Argentina playing football, but at the same time, this is his career. And uh, he chose to, to win silverware because he hasn't won the Champions League for six years now. So it's totally understandable. I think that um, for neutrals, it's just... It's not so much envy, Jules. I think there's a sense of disappointment that that Messi has chosen sort of the easy money from from PSG. I think we expected him maybe to be slightly more romantic in his in his approach. I guess the the counter to that is that where where could he have really gone? There are only maybe two clubs in the world who can afford him uh, at 34. But I think it sits it sits uneasy with the whole of football hemorrhaging money and having to sell players and and even the biggest clubs having to cut back outside England, that is. And PSG just taking maximum advantage of the opportunity and just doubling down on on everything. It just, I think it's difficult to admire. Okay, Lukaku is going to cost Chelsea £100 million. He's going to get a five-year deal at £12 million a year. This is, this is far more than Messi's two-year contract in Paris. So let, let's do the same with Lukaku to Chelsea. Oh, what Chelsea doing? I mean, what's, what a fairy tale story, going back now and splashing no, all that no, money on him. Messi's, Messi's different, Jules, and I, I think we can all totally understand why you're so excited about it, and it's brilliant news for PSG fans, assuming that it doesn't you know, lead to a kind of massive breakdown in the team harmony, or something, which I, I don't think that there's any suggestion that it will, but... Messi's a special player. He occupies a special place in the history of the game and also in the kind of emotional geography of, of football because he has been so much the symbol of Barcelona for so long. For him to effectively leave that from one day to another, in a little bit of a way, it suggests that those those embodiments that we set so much store in as fans of, of players with clubs, etc., they actually mean nothing. That when it comes to a bit of paperwork or a bit of uh, rules or, or anything like that, you can have somebody who was so much the essence of one club, more than any other player, I would say, now shifting and, and, and turning up in it. To see him in a PSG shirt is going to destroy no, no, okay. a little bit. Yeah, But it wasn't his of, choice, James. Th- that's not... No, that I know. Not I'm not saying it was his choice. I'm not blaming him for it. I'm explaining why people have this reaction to seeing Leo Messi lining up for someone else. And the fact that it's a team who are already super massive favourites in their league, I think, takes away one of the potential interests that people might have had in the transfer, which is, can Leo Messi make Champions League? Now, there is, of course, the Champions League angle for PSG, which, correct me if I'm wrong, they've never actually won. So maybe Leo can take them across the line there. And that's a narrative that I'm sure we're going to be following with great interest. But Jules... Nothing personal, and I, I, you know, no, 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 I, no. But I, I'm, I'm delighted I'm, for you. No, no, no. It's not about being delighted or not. I, I, I think Messi should have finished his career in Barcelona anyway. Frederic Antonetti, the Mets manager, said after his game on Sunday, he said, "I'm a purist. Messi should not be playing for any other team in the world than Barcelona ever." But the fact that he, that was not his choice, and certainly not PSG's fault. And again, I'm going to tell the story that I said on on Sunday when we recorded the other Totally Football Show. Jorge Messi called Nasser Halefi on Thursday night to say he can't stay in Barcelona. They don't have the money. What can you offer us? Again, this is not even PSG who said, hey, this is an opportunity for us. Let's call them. Let's seduce them. Let's do this. Let's do that. It was not even that. 
and I just find it amazing that everybody's blaming PSG for, oh, but, you know, it's their fault. Messi is living in Barcelona, but Messi is Barca. Barca is Messi. And I just, I just think, and, and everybody seems very bitter. And I, I just don't think it's right. But again, not, you not know, bitter, not nothing. bitter, a little bit disappointed, not blaming PSG, just as I say. But disappointed in who? Und- and in what? Disappointed in what? In that who? in football, that in football, that, that a player who embodied so much his club has to leave in, in, in these circumstances. So then, then you can and only that, be disappointed by Javier Tebas and La Liga implementing fine, those salary I'll be disappointed with, with them. I, I wanted to say something about that. Uh, it's uh, very difficult to survive in a system that uh, obliges you to not to spend more than the 70% of your income in salaries, but in the rest of the leagues that doesn't exist. So La Liga has a competitive disadvantage from the very moment that they have to take their system into a European landscape to play European football. And I think that in Spain, the salary cap hasn't been questioned enough. And I know that it's been good uh, because... But Alvaro, nobody, yeah. nobody in European football spends more than 70% on their wages. That, that's not the disadvantage. The disadvantage is how much money do you have ultimately. And here they're up against nation states. And that's, that's, where, we, that's where things become very problematic. Yes, but uh, you have seen the, the piece in The Athletic written that, for example, if uh, there was a salary cap in the Premier League, as, if, as we have in La Liga, for example, mm-hmm. a club like Everton couldn't spend what they are spending on wages. So I think that uh, La Liga is doing right because uh, seven, eight years ago, there were many clubs that they were close to going into administration. But, and I, I am not against the salary cap of La Liga. What I am saying is that in the context of a pandemic, uh, sometimes some clubs, they have to take some debts in order to grow again. And Barcelona couldn't do that. All right. Well, it's going to be a lot of editing if, uh, from, from producer Charlie if, if this deal doesn't actually... Goes but through, but debate. It's a really good yeah. debate because I think we all agree that he should mm. still be playing for Barcelona. The fact is, it's not his choice. It's not his call and it's not PSG's call either. What's the knock-on effect on PSG in terms of sales, Jules, as you were touching on before? And also on the rest of the league, realistically, what's it going to mean for the rest of the league? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. James, so on selling, finally, sell, but yeah, finally, but they, I knew you would come good. I knew Two pods later, I had, faith, I had faith in you. Um, they still have to sell, regardless of of the Messi um, uh, free transfer. That is not a free transfer. So you expect players like Sarabia, maybe even Mauricardi, and they're really hoping that maybe a team like Roma is going to lose Jaco. That the domino effect from the Lukaku departure could somehow benefit them for Icardi. Um, so they've got a few options, but there's not one. There's not much time to win. There's three weeks to go, based. This is not a long time. Uh, and I don't know what will happen. What's interesting, and that's the other side of the Messi, the Messi effect, is that they already had 1.2 million followers more on social media, for example. They've had top world brands calling up the club saying, if Messi joins, we want to be part of that adventure. We want to join as a sponsor. Uh, so marketing-wise, they've, they, they, it's, it's already going way beyond what they had imagined before when they put that contract offer together. So I think the, the repercussion would be huge, but they need to sell. Regardless of what brands join in and how much sponsor money they will bring back and extra revenues or income, they will have to sell more players now, which they, they really haven't done so far this summer. OK, and in terms of who's going to challenge, I mean, the season already got underway last weekend and while Paris Saint-Germain did bag three points at newly promoted Trois, none of the other big sides won except Jules for Marseille, who had that epic 3-2 win down the road at Montpellier 
coming back from two goals down with that Dimitri Payet brace. Yes, that was great from Marseille. They they considered two goals a bit against the run of play, I thought, and, and they will be, that's them. That's the way they will play all season, being quite exposed, but also very attacking. I mean, we saw William Saliba at times playing, who's a, a right centre-back, playing almost right winger. And that's what Sampaoli asked them, a bit like you know Bielsa and Leeds is playing in a position, but actually playing many positions. And, and that's going to be great. But you're right, Lyon dropped points, Monaco dropped points. Mm. Uh, Lille dropped points, although they came back from 3-1 down to draw 3-3 thanks to a, a very, very late Yilmaz goal. It's really been fascinating first weekend, but, but you're right, you, you add Messi to this PSG team and it's hard to see how they would not win the league in February. There's a lot of clubs doing good things. You know, Peter Bosch at Lyon, he needs new players and, and Zelan Shakiri, for example, from Liverpool is only one that they have quite high on the list. I don't know how doable this is financially for them, but... Shakiri would be really good at Lyon uh, and, and, and others too, like Marseille, like Monaco, who with Kovac, I know they, they drew against none, but they showed a lot of uh, good promises too. So it'd be interesting to see if Messi arrives, of course, it makes PSG even more favourite. Right, they've got to get past the early leaders who are Clermont Foot, who opened up with a 2-0 win at Bordeaux. Their first ever match in the top division, Jules. Yes, and they, Gastien, their manager, is really good. Their striker, uh, Bayo, who's only 22, who's, who's Clermont born and bred, is, is going to be a fantastic talent. So it's good, it's good for them. And they really play nice, nice football. So it'd be interesting to see how they do. Where is Clermont? Right in centre of France, where you've got, um, famous for their rugby team, of course, uh, where you've got um, the Evian Water comes from. Uh, okay. And... Uh, yeah, and that side where they've got like small, like kind of volcanoes. Ah, okay. Nice. Is it the Massif Central? Exactly. Exactly, Rafa. Top work, Rafa. Very good. All right. Well, looking forward to seeing how Clermont and all of those exciting sides get on as the Ligue 1 season unfolds. Next up, because they're not getting started for ages, <laughs> let's talk about Italy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally.
This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Premier League returned this weekend in Portugal. Sporting Club de Lisbon, the champions, kicking the season off with a 3-0 win over newly promoted Vizela Friday night. In Belgium, Tupola Pro League, more action. They've actually been underway for three weeks now. Big headline this weekend. Antwerp winning 5-2 at Standard Liège on Sunday. All five Antwerp goals scored by their Swiss star, Michael Fry. Crikey. Uh, City Anne not back underway until the 21st of August. But James, you have got a phone call coming up with who? Uh, Andrea Peeler. Ah, fantastic. All right, well, let's get you done on the City Anne stuff and then you can go and have a chat with the the slippered, uh, the slippered one. Uh, very good. Sorry, boys, just... Just quickly, I, the, the message has arrived that Messi is flying in the next hour or so, and uh, it's all full agreed to um, to go to PSG. Woohoo! Woo! All right. Cue in the Star Wars celebration music, Charlie. Now, Italy. It starts on the 21st. And James, as you mentioned, we're going to be debuting on BT Sport with Inter against Genoa. I wonder who will be lining up for, for them. They, they won the title, ending Juve's long reign, celebrated by not paying two months of wages uh, and then seeing their manager leave. Uh, Lukaku on his way out and we mentioned Lautaro possibly as well. Simone Inzaghi coming in as manager. <laughs> Shawnee Griffin says, did he know that they were going to be this bad or it was going to be this bad, the situation when he took the job? Uh, well, they had a friendly against Parma at the weekend when 500 Inter Ultras decided to, to make the trip and spend the entire game insulting uh, the owners uh, and also kind of riffing on one of Simone Inzaghi's ticks, which is usually when he comes out after a defeat, he says, Mispiace, uh, always. And it's like, well, I'm really sorry, Simone, but uh, you're going to just have to deal with it. That was the banner that they put out. Um so on a cazzi toy. So um, nice. I think he was aware that Hakimi was leaving. Uh, certainly, at his his unveiling, he said uh, he was told that uh, the other top players would be staying. And I think that was a br- the brief that a lot of the top players uh, had as well. Certainly, Lukaku was under the impression that uh, the club would sell everyone else <laughs> before they sold him. Uh, and lo and behold, it came to pass that he's the next one. To go. So, look, I mean, Inter will still have a strong and competitive side um, going into the season. They've got the best defence in the league. Um, their midfield is is pretty good as well with Barella, Brozovic, you know, whoever plays uh, on the left, be it Sensi, be it Chalinolu, who will be covering for Christian Eriksen whilst he recovers uh, from the cardiac arrest he suffered at the Euros. You know, I've had it confirmed that, you know, Dzeko has asked to, to leave Roma. So, I mean, he seems to do this every transfer window. Um, but now it looks like he'll be uh, moving to, to Inter to replace Lukaku on a two-year deal. You know, he's 35. I mean, it's not the most inspiring signing, no matter what you think of, of Dzeko. I think they'll do other business, uh, but low-cost business. I mean, Chalinolu is free. They've been haggling over Nahitan Nandes, the Calgary midfielder, for almost the entire transfer window. When once upon a time they didn't think twice about paying forty-nine million for for Barella from the same club, so I think that gives you an indication of the state they're in. Uh, and they probably will 
bring in another strike as well. So we'll have to see. What what state do you think they are in? There have been these rumours that they are on the brink of total financial collapse. Well, Oak Tree James, the fund that loaned them two hundred seventy five million uh, in May uh, to be paid back over three years, I think is a is a guarantor. Um, there was one of those erroneous tweets by those. Yeah, sort of aggregator transfer accounts on Twitter claiming that Inter were going to liquidation. That's not happening. Yeah, it's been reported that the loan uh, that Oak Tree uh, granted Inter was guaranteed against uh, Suning's majority share in the club. Um, so if they default on that loan, Inter would become um, Oak Tree's club. Um, and it would be quite similar to what happened when Lee Yong Hong defaulted. Uh, on his loans with with Elliot management and Milan became Elliot's, um, so I think that's one thing to uh, to be aware of, and at least would give some a quantum of solace, let's say, um, to Inter fans who who maybe fear fear the worst for the club. Um, but I, I think the feeling within is that um, you know when these big offers have come for their players, the executive team Marotta, uh, Auxilio, have wanted to resist. Yet there's been no resistance from ownership. And I think that's been the major concern uh, for fans over certainly the last week where Lukaku's left and then this Lautaro story started. Um, mm. So I think they need some of the clarity that we saw from Christian Perslow and um, what Villa sold uh, Jack Grealish and kind of put out that video explaining what was going on. It would good to, be good to see more owners take that approach, I think. Yeah. Of course, the Bond film most commonly associated with Inter would be Casino Royale, at least in the Italian <laughs> interpretation of that phrase. Eight of last season's top ten in Serie A have new managers going into the season, or, or an old one in Juve's case, Max Allegri. He's back. Fantastic record at the club. Are they, with Inter's semi-collapse, the new favourites? What can Milan do? They've hung on to Stefano Pioli. Who else do you see being in the mix? Well, a lot of people think Atalanta will be in the mix, even though Atalanta going to every season, um, you know, after qualifying again for the Champions League, third straight year. Um, yeah, they always say our first objective is survival. And then we see what happens. I mean, they kind of survive by uh, by September these days, such as their rate of clearing up points. Uh, but they've made some good signings. Juan Musso, the goalkeeper, that's why Colini ended up going to, going to Tottenham. Um, and you know we'll see what happens with uh, Zapata and Ilicic. Looks like those guys might be out the door. Um, but you know I trust Gasparini. That's a, that's a club that has continuity. It's yeah they've broken up that team and, and and rebuilt it over and over again over the past six years, and they've and they've got better and better and better. Um, but I think it's hard to look beyond Juve. You know Allegri's track record is such that you know I think they become instant favourites. You know they haven't done. Uh, much, if any, business in the transfer window so far. They brought in Caio Jorge from uh, Santos, which is quite an exciting signing, I suppose. Uh, and they'll look to do Manuel Locatelli over the next week. Um, so, and also, I know Raf will love this. Miralem Pjanic. Miralem Pjanic may be coming back to the Allianz Stadium. So that midfield, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Roma have got Jose Mourinho in charge. Robbie Wells asks, how has he been received by the Roma fan base? Is he seen as damaged goods or is there enough goodwill from his previous Italian spell at Inter to think it's quite a coup? There's enough goodwill. 
from his time at Inter, I mean, he has been unsurpassed. Um, I mean, what he did there, he won the treble. No one had done that before. No one has done it since. Um, you know, even everything that Allegri did um, at Juventus, getting that team um, to within 90 minutes of the tre treble twice, ultimately didn't do it. So, you know, Mourinho is the reference point. And uh, I think Serie has been a little bit more hard of hearing uh, on the criticism that's come Jose's way in the Premier League um, than uh, than we are, um, just because it's 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 a league that's at a distance. They're not following the nuances of it all the time. Only Paolo Di Canio, who does the Premier League for Serie A, has kind of <laughs> made a regular routine of ranting about how he's finished. Uh, Ebolito, Ebolito, Mourinho. He's cooked. He's boiled. He's done. Um, so, uh, but it's been quite funny actually. I mean, he's been welcomed like a, an emperor uh, or, or, or sort of a Roman general coming back from a successful uh, victory. Um, they don't watch the Premier League in Italy, do they? <laughs> well, this is the thing. And there's also a feeling that maybe his tactics might work uh, in Serie A still, except, you know, I mean, I think Serie A really is an interesting laboratory for tactical innovation. And you see what the national team did at the Euros, how they played. I think that's that's very much become the cue which a lot of people have been taking um, in City A over the last few years. Um, but it's been hilarious watching their preseason. Porto, mass brawl. Betis, mass brawl. Mourinho sent off. Um, Dzeko now leaving. Um, <laughs> it's, I think it's going to be fun. Now you've got your phone call coming up, so let's quickly race through one or two of the other. The other teams who could... Uh, come up with interesting campaigns. Uh, Lazio got Maurizio Sarri now taking over from Simone Inzaghi there. They've brought Felipe Anderson back across town from Roma. Also potentially a Napoli uh, where Luciano Spalletti has replaced Gennaro Gattuso. Vincenzo Bertillo says, how will Spalletti do with Napoli this season? Do you think Osimen will explode? I think Spalletti is a great fit for Napoli. I think he plays great football. Um, I think, um, you know, all the, the, the players that they've... I mean, they've got a really well-balanced team. They'll have to make some cuts before the end of the transfer window. But I think, as, as even Jules was saying with Paris Saint-Germain, lots of teams are finding it very difficult to sell players um, at the moment. Um, so I think Napoli will be a, a team that contends for a top-four spot. They've obviously got this... Thing with Insigne going on, he's going into the final year of his contract. Um, relations between him and the president afraid. Um, you know, I think he's he's coming up to thirty now and is looking at his career and thinking, you know, I've won the Coppa Italia, the Super Cup with Napoli. I played Champions League with them. We've come close to winning the Scudetto on the Sarri. Is it really going to happen? Mate? Should I go now and try and win something elsewhere? And you know, you have Spalletti just sort of taking shots at Totti again. Um, you know, after Totti has had a free reign of three years of releasing films and documentaries, essentially about his relationship with Spalletti, finally Spalletti has has had a had a, had a say on that, um, coming out and saying, you know, I was surprised the producers, you know, sort of didn't come come to me and ask me if I could recommend a few scenes because uh, mm. uh, I can certainly remember things slightly differently to the way Francesco did. If you're curious to know a little bit more about that. Uh passionate passionate story about Totti's last seasons with uh, Roma do check out our Golazzo on Spalletti from last December and indeed our two-parter on Totti uh, check out any of the Golazzos and yes to those asking there will be more uh, as soon as we can get James myself and Gab Marcotti uh, round a table 
Uh, two more questions very quickly, James. Bradley State says, how likely is Dusan Vlajevic to go to the Premier League or will he stay in Florence? And Paddy Carlo says, can anyone explain what's currently happening with Chievo Verona? Vlajevic has interest from uh, Tottenham and Atletico Madrid. In Tottenham's case, it's contingent on Kane leaving. You know, it's it's a contingency plan, I suppose, as is Lautaro. Um, but uh, Fiorentina are doing everything to try and get him to commit to a contract extension with a buyout clause. They're just haggling over how much that clause would be, 70 million or 60 million, which is what the agent wants. Um, as for Chievo, well, I mean, the fairy tale, it felt like it was already over when they got relegated um, to the second division, but now it's truly over, much to our our, our friend Gabriele Marcotti's uh, uh, amusement or chagrin, I imagine, because... Um, there have been financial irregularities, which means they have not been given a license uh, to play in the second division. And they will have to start essentially where they began, all the way back down at the bottom of the football pyramid. So the flying donkeys, um, well, donkeys might fly before you next see uh, Kievo and Serie yeah. Right. They're out on their asses, etc. and so on. James, you leave us as well. Give Andrea our very best regards for us next we're talking La Liga. At Paddy Power, we're looking forward to the return of the Premier League this weekend. Man United kick off their campaign against old rivals Leeds. The operative word there being old, because the last time Leeds finished ahead of Man United was before most of the players in the current teams were born. Though I remember it well. God, I'm getting too old for this job. And while you can't build a time machine, you can build your own bet with a completely free £5 bet builder on Man United v Leeds this Saturday. Paddy Power! Pre-match bet bets only. Minimum two legs plus. Online exclusive. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Begamalaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Liga getting underway this Friday. Least whelming build-up ever. Is that right, Alvaro? Is it, is it still sinking in that you won't have you know, one of the kind of big tent poles of your, of your league? Yes, of course. I think that uh, that's inescapable. And uh, the fact that Lionel Messi is leaving uh, altogether with uh, the very little expense that we have had in La Liga, uh, with the, I would say, underwhelming summer of Real Madrid as well, makes it so far a league in which you have to find new narratives. I remember back in 2000, 1999, uh, La Liga called itself La Liga de las Estrellas. Uh, I think that they don't need to translate that. Uh, so I think that the main pillars of La Liga right now are the continuity of some projects. Uh, some really good managers are staying at the clubs with they are in. And then let's see if uh, some other players uh, that came either in winter 2021 or in summer 2021, like for example Rodrigo de Paul or Memphis Depay uh, or Papo Gómez, who arrived to La Liga back in uh, January, they can start making the difference as well. I would say that Spanish football has uh, a lot of players, an, an abundance of players, uh, local players, that uh, I think that they, they are pretty good and they set a very good average level of La Liga. Uh, and you could see that this summer Spain reached the semi-final of the Euros, Spain uh, got the silver uh, back in the in the Olympic Games, the silver medal, mm. and I believe that there is a core of Spanish players who are very good. But it's true that uh, four or five years ago, La Liga could uh, show off having Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo, or many more. Uh, and unfortunately, those players are not in La Liga anymore. Mm. Amongst those other Spanish successes over the summer, of course, Villarreal winning the uh, Europa League. And because of that triumph, they are featuring in Wednesday night's European Super Cup at uh, Windsor Park in Belfast, taking on Chelsea. 
Uh, they're not favourites, Villarreal, in this, I'd imagine, for most people. But then they weren't against Arsenal or Man United either. What do you think, Alvaro? I think it's going to be tough for Villarreal. Uh, one of their iconic players, Pau Torres, central defender, he hasn't uh, had any holidays this summer. He'll be playing this game uh, despite having played the Euro, despite uh, having been playing in uh, the Olympic Games. And without any rest, he'll be playing this game. I think that, of course, Chelsea is the favourite, but uh, Manchester United was the favourite as well against Villarreal. And then Villarreal managed to sleep the game a little bit the way Unai Emery wants against English sides, and that worked for him. So I think that they, they will be competitive. Uh, good news for them is that Gerard Moreno has extended his contract uh, for more years, uh, which is uh, probably Gerard Moreno wants to celebrate uh, with the victory, the renewal of his contract. And then, you know, uh, Spanish uh, sides, generally speaking, they are competitive no matter how many means they've got. Uh, we have seen that in the past, and Villarreal is a very good example of that. So yes, Chelsea is the favourite, of course, but I think that Villarreal has a chance. Talking about the big three then, Alvaro, uh, what, what kind of shape are Atletico in, in terms of hanging on to the title? Real Madrid, how do you see them under Carlo Ancelotti? And the other question which we'll return to, which is how big a mess are Barcelona in? But let's start off with Atletico. I believe that Atletico de Madrid uh, is the, the team that um, has been affected less by the summer transfer window. They are looking for a striker because uh, Luis Suarez last season, sometimes he wasn't enough and uh, he's going to be a year older this season. And uh, they are about to sign Rafa Mir, a player who scored 13 or 14 goals last season as Huesca. He has been playing Olympic football and he's been very good for Spain and he's going to be a very good backup striker. Hopefully that deal will happen soon. Then uh, Rodrigo de Paul is a very good addition to Atletico de Madrid. I believe that uh, he will probably offer the team what uh, Simeone would have expected, Saúl, to offer the team. But Saúl, for the last couple of seasons, he's been below par. And Rodrigo de Paul, we know about his quality. He was uh, a very important player in an already good Argentina side and uh, I believe that Atletico has done the job this summer. I believe that it's key that they sign a striker and uh, I would like to link this with Real Madrid. I think that Real Madrid needs another striker and whoever watches Real Madrid knows that they rely a lot on Benzema as well. Benzema is the same age as Luis Suarez or at least he was born in the same year, 1987. And uh, I think that um, it's too much to ask for Benzema to be for one season, one more season, the only good striker at Real Madrid. Either Luka Jovic, uh, who has been very undermining for Real Madrid, or uh, players like Gareth Bale, uh, who are back, they will have to contribute with goals. Uh, Eden Hazard, hopefully he will be fit this year. But I do believe that Real Madrid is this club that uh, we are all looking at their centre-back uh, because uh, Sergio Ramos and Varane are gone. But I do believe that Alaba is a very good signing. Eder Militao last season show from March until May that he was a very good centre-back as well. Hopefully he will keep that level. So my main issue with Real Madrid is that they don't have a second good striker to Karim Benzema and also that all the midfield is one year older. Casemiro, Modric, Cross, they are playing pretty much every game. So will Valverde or Loanis that are back like Odegaard or Ceballos finally become those players that Real Madrid fans want? Well, that is a big question for me. But I know that Carlo Ancelotti um, is the kind of manager that uh, knows how to resuscitate the careers of some players. Uh, maybe Dani Ceballos can be one of them. And definitely Isco. Uh, Isco was a very important player for Carlo Ancelotti. So hopefully uh, Carletto will be able to get the better of some of those players who are going to be very important for Real Madrid because their squad or otherwise looks to me really, really short. 
Barcelona then. Alvaro Messi has, or is on his way to Paris as we speak. But David Lomax points out everyone's alluding to Barcelona still being over the salary cap, even without him. What does that actually mean for them? Will they have to deregister players they don't want if they can't sell them? Uh, will some of the new boys have to sit in the stand all year? One of the new boys... Uh, Sergio Aguero has been a lot of talk that he's now trying to back out of the deal. But in the meantime, he's out for, is it two months? Yeah, he's got a calf injury, so he's going to be out, let's say, until at least mid-October. Didn't he party with Messi on Sunday night? Didn't Messi have, or Saturday night, like a little party? And then the next morning at training, after probably coming home late and still playing on the PlayStation. I mean, this is such a Barca mess story again, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, one Spanish YouTuber from Bilbao called Ibai Llanos, who is tremendously famous. I don't know how many millions of followers uh, he's got. Uh, he was there, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He, he explained the whole story. And uh, yeah, Agüero invited him and, and Messi for a night out. Well, or for, you know, for a night out, not necessarily in a club or anything, but... Uh, they definitely spent some time on Saturday uh, together and having fun. And yes, uh, it's a little bit of a, of a Barcelona thing right now. The Agüero story and the Agüero signing uh, makes a little bit less sense now that Lionel Messi is not there. There was this rumor that Agüero didn't want to play for Barcelona and Messi wasn't there. But I don't know how mm. true is this. The truth, uh, James, going back to what you said before, the key word here is registering. Barcelona has to offload players. This was the plan that Laporta had during the summer to make sure that he got rid of the Coutinho's, Umtitis, um, you name it. Maybe Clement Lenglet, who didn't have a good season last season. But at the same time, they are making so much money at Barcelona because Barcelona is paying so much that nobody else can match their salaries. But, but what does it mean then for the players like Memphis Depay? Yeah. Can he play at the weekend? Let's see. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that uh, Barcelona will have to... It's a very tough situation. It's, this is unprecedented so, unprecedented, so I cannot give you a straight answer for that. Um, they are trying to offload players. They are trying to talk to Javier Tebas to get uh, you know, money from somewhere else. Uh, Laporta said as well that uh, last th Thursday that it is very difficult to um, terminate the contract of a player unilaterally because there are repercussions for that. So it's still a little bit all up in the air uh, at this mm. stage. I think that they will register as many players as they can. Uh, but yeah, I cannot tell you at the minute uh, who is going to stay in, who is going to stay out. You are supposed to think that uh, the new signings, they've got some preference or priority uh, in Barcelona's list, but uh, it's so difficult at the minute. It's very complicated and there is still like a, a lot to do for Barcelona before La Liga starts. Right. I mean, we all assumed that they would find a way to keep Messi and that even without him, I think a lot of us would still assume that they'll be top four. But how bad is the picture? It is very bad. Uh, Barcelona has uh, 480 million losses last season alone. The, their depth amounts to more than a billion. When we talk about the sport itself, this is going to be interesting because in the same way that me as a fan, James, I spent the last 15 years watching Barcelona's game, looking either at the bottom right corner of my screen or the top left corner of my screen because I wanted to see what Messi was going to do. And my way of watching Barcelona was that. I think that some players, they also got accustomed to it. It was contagious for them as well. And uh, they were basically passing the ball to Messi to see what he was capable of doing. You know? Mm. Uh, and I think that some 
players like Alexis Sanchez, for example, they flourished when they left from the Messi influence. Uh, he became a better player at Arsenal than he was at Barcelona. So now many players of Barcelona, they will have the chance to, or they will have the responsibility to step up. And I really want to see who does it and how well they do it. It's very interesting. I think that it's going to be a very fascinating season for Barcelona because they don't have a bad team after all. Hopefully Ansu Fati will recover. He's been out already for 10 months. And there are so many lessons to take from all this anyway. I mean, Spanish football had a really good decade over the last 10 years. But then Real Madrid and Barcelona, especially Barcelona, they mismanage the legacy. I think that they started paying too much to their players. They have to avoid the gigantic salaries. Uh, they sold the wrong players instead of the players they have to sell, like, for example, Cristiano Ronaldo instead of Gareth Bale, or, you know, many more uh, mistakes that Barcelona and Real Madrid they have made in the in the market, and uh, I think that uh, they didn't know how to deal with their with their success, and especially Barcelona uh, has been the victim of that. And I want to leave this podcast without reminding everyone that uh, Bartomeu, the former Barcelona president, left a disaster behind him, and Joel Laporta has tried to amend it, but so far it has been impossible. Very nice, Alvaro. Well, I don't want to leave this podcast without having a big old chat about the Bundesliga, which is also back this coming Friday with Borussia Mönchengladbach taking on Bayern Munich, who are now, of course, under the stewardship of Julian Nagelsmann. Let's talk Bundesliga next. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Rafa, Bundesliga, it's all change at the top. Not something you've had any experience of, I'm sure. But uh, all of last season's <laughs> top six clubs have new managers this season. Yes, but the question is, will there be a change at the top of the Bundesliga? Ooh. Um, after all these changes. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann is one of those new men in charge at Bayern. The question is, will there be even more untouchable with one of the hottest young managerial talents of Europe in charge. The argument against that is that Bayern don't have a lot of depth in the squad. The starting 11 and you know three or four players on the on the bench are brilliant and mm. maybe good enough to win the Champions League again. But once you have a couple of injuries, then the options behind them are pretty underwhelming because Bayern had to go on a bit of a cost-saving exercise and haven't really been able to strengthen beyond the uh, signing of Dayo Upamukano at the back, who's replacing David Alaba and Jerome Boateng, who've both left. Um, but as you said, the fact that there are so many managerial changes makes this 
very fresh, very exciting. This is all going to be a new Borussia Dortmund, Marco Rosa in charge. It's a new uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach with Adi Hütter in charge. It's a new Frankfurt with Oliver Glasner in charge. There's been so many changes that I think it provides genuine sense of, of optimism uh, to believe for a lot of supporters that this season will be better than last uh, because of the new man in charge. But yeah, I think it's... I think people are looking forward to it more than last season because of at least the partial return of fans and uh, the excitement that that you know that brings. Mm. I think it's going to be an interesting season because of the weakness of Bayern, maybe not so much on the pitch but off it, where the, the club is really undergoing a, a big transition at the moment in terms of the leadership. Uh, I've written a big article in The Athletic explaining the ins and outs of that. Uh, there is hope that they will not be nailed on, despite Nagelsmann being in charge, mm. to um, win their 10th title in a row. That was a pun. Which would, I guess. Yeah, it's Nagels. Does that mean nail in German? Yeah, Nagel is nail, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Bayern on the field haven't been looking particularly good this summer. Winless in all their pre-season friendlies, which I think is their worst record for what it's worth going into a new campaign. They begin against Borussia Mönchengladbach this Friday. They actually lost to them 2-0 about uh, three weeks ago. Among the other contenders, of course, are Dortmund. Gautam Kardekar, uh says, with Haaland staying and Bayern's transition, do you think, Rafa, that Dortmund could win the title under Marco Rosa? I'd like to think that they could. With Dortmund, it's a question of their own consistency. It wasn't there last season. It wasn't there the season before. If they play to their full potential, there's no reason to suggest that they shouldn't be beating all the teams below them. And then it comes down to two games against Bayern. The problem is that they haven't been doing that. They've dropped too many points far too often against um, teams that are not nearly at the same level. If they can find a consistency, then maybe they can get into the conversation. That's the big quest for them, if you will. Uh, it'll also be interesting on a tactical level because it looks as if Erling Haaland and uh, Daniel Marlin, their new signing to replace Jadon Sancho, will effectively play as a two-striker uh, partnership, uh, which is very unusual in the Bundesliga and very usual in European football these days to have two sort of centre-forwards or, or proper strikers on the pitch and that they will shift to a diamond in midfield. It sounds very, very interesting and very exciting. I mean, certainly against uh, V and Wiesbaden, who weren't the, the biggest and strongest of opposition in the cup, some of the football was was very very good, uh, beautiful passes through the lines and runs at the defense and great movement up front. So I think I hope that they can provide us with a lot of excitement and entertainment this season. Okay, of course, Jaden Sancho will be a big miss after scoring or assisting thirty six goals uh, last season uh, before his move to Manchester United. What about RB Leipzig though? Rafa. They lost Opamecano to Bayern. They've got new manager Jesse Marsh coming in, but Andre Silva looks like an excellent signing up front. And you could could you use the phrase like a new signing for Dominic Sloboslai, who's uh, come well, who arrived in January but has been injured through the second half of last season. Yeah, he never played for them, and he is definitely a new signing. <laughs> People are very excited to see what he can do in this midfield. I mean, Leipzig have so much depth. They perhaps have more depth than both 
Dortmund and Bayern in terms of the options. Their starting 11s aren't quite as exciting and they don't have world-class players, true world-class players. There is no Haaland at Leipzig. There is no um, you know, Lewandowski at Leipzig. But overall quality, the average quality, if you will, in the squad is very, very deep and strong. Uh, Brian Brobe is another really exciting player that they've picked up uh, on a three from Ajax up front. There's Mohamed Simakan at the back, brought in from uh, Liga. So despite losing Upamecano and, and Konate, there is, there's a lot to suggest that they'll be very, very competitive. And, and Jesse Marsh, I think, has a, has a real talent when it comes to motivating players. I don't know if he is tactically as sophisticated as Julian Nagelsmann was, but he certainly has a way of firing up his players. And that can, I think, take you quite a long way with, with so much talent that they have. So definitely a chance that we'll see a, a good challenge from them this season. OK, Jesse Marsh, who sprung many a surprise with his former club at Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, how well do you think Konate is going to do at Liverpool? I think it's going to do really well. The, the one question mark has always been his, his uh, fitness. He's had one big injury that's kept him out for one half years, um, including a recurrence. But if he stays fit and if he s- continues to learn alongside somebody more established like uh, Virgil van Dijk, then I think he, he's got all the attributes to be an absolute superstar defender. Um, mm. they, they were talking of him you know, being no worse than Upamecano, slightly different. In, his, in the way he plays, but as talented and both were and are still being seen as, as world-class centre-backs. Uh, we just need, I think, him to to find those consistent matches in that game time to, to reach that potential. OK. On a similar note, Grant wants to know uh, what you think Leon Bailey will be able to do at Aston Villa. So Leon Bailey has a fantastic record against good teams. He's often really turned up with big goals against the likes of Bayern. But then just as often went a little bit missing in in the so-called smaller games. And if he'd been more consistent, then I'm sure we wouldn't be talking about a 30 million pound player, but a 70 or 80 million pound players because the the raw skill, the raw talent is is there. Incredibly pacey. Technically really good strikes, really good free kicks. A real modern winger that you want in your team. But we haven't seen enough of the real Leon Bailey, if you will, than him playing to his full potential throughout his time at Leverkusen. And that's why, for example, Bayern have passed up on him. That's why Dortmund weren't really interested. But if they can eke out that stability from him, that consistency... I think it's going to do really well. Jules, somebody was asking at the weekend, I've lost the name, but the the essence of the question was, how will Patrick Vieira do as a manager in the Premier League? It's, it's very interesting. We were talking about it with Rafa the other day uh, when we were at PLP. Of, he's had some good moments at Nice uh, mm. and some not so good. At times where you could see the direction and what he was trying to do, he had a lot of young players that he improved for some of them. Like I mean, Guiri, for example, or even uh, Kefren Turam, the the brother and the the other son, and other times where you would watch them play, and you were like, there there was just nothing to it. So I don't know. It's a big gamble for him and for them. It's a bit cliche, but he has to start well. 
because then I think it could get very complicated quickly. But he's got a lot of motivation. He he's very confident in what, what he can bring to the club and to the team. And he's certainly, in terms of man management, in terms of the way he presents and talks, he would be a success. I just hope that tactically he's ready for the challenge. They've made some really good signing. I mean, Gay, uh, Odise. Gallagher, really, really good young players who I think will work really well with Patrick. But this is the Premier League. It's not, it's not Liga anymore. And and with Liga, the first season qualifying for Europa League was great, finishing fifth, even with the highs and lows of the style of play and everything, was really good. The second season was not so good. That's why he got sacked. So it'd be very, very interesting, I think, to see what what he does there. All right, Crystal Palace begin their campaign with Patrick Vieira away at Chelsea. Uh, this coming Saturday. Crikey. All right. Mm. Well, so many questions. I think it's fair to say we've provided one or two of the early answers uh, as we head into what is the opening weekend for many of the leagues. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being with us today. Alvaro, uh, Julien and Rafa. Mm. Thank you. And thank you, listener, for joining us and Charlie for tidying it all up so beautifully. We return... A little bit earlier next Tuesday, so do join us for that as we round up what happens this weekend across the continent. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.